0: someone you love been a victim of a crime that's still unsolved crime curious has teamed up with one of the top private investigation services in the indiana and surrounding area if you have listened to us long enough you know that we do not seek out services or products that are meaningless to us or hold no real value so you can trust us when we say that corporate investigations comes with decades of experience you won't find any place else Corbett Investigations is run by a former homicide commander of one of the country's most successful homicide units, has put over 400 people in prison for homicide, handled over 1,100 death investigations, and solved 33 cold case murders. To be real with you, Mr. Corbett had a really difficult time telling us what we should highlight in this segment because he does not like to sound like he's bragging. Solving crimes has been his life's passion, and he has never done it for the accolades or recognition. He has a whole team behind his services that help him be so successful, as they specialize in things like bloodstain analysis, ballistics, crime scene reconstruction, and forensic pathology, just to name a few. When you contact Corbett Investigations, you talk directly with Tim Corbett. He is hands-on with every case and can travel anywhere that's needed to get the job done. Corbett Investigations prides itself on honesty, truth, truth feet-to-the-ground real investigation work, and the strength to stand up to whatever is in the way of solving the crime. Corbett Investigations specializes in complex homicide cases, sex offenses, and criminal investigations that are old and new. Tim and his team have a reputation for finding witnesses and information that others could not. Although we hope none of our listeners ever need private investigation services, if you do, we recommend contacting Corbett Investigations, And mention this segment on Crime Curious for a free consultation. Contact Tim Corbett today at 574-229-8115. You can also check them out on Facebook at Corbett Investigative Services, Inc. Or their email, tim at tcorbett.org. That's T-I-M at T-C-O-R-B-E-T-T dot org. Thanks for listening and now on to the show. Welcome to Crime Curious. I'm Charnel I'm Megan. And Megan, let's shake our all of our green green. Okay. Here we go. We've got toads nice. and bones and chads and okay. Thanks so much. I love it. And <gasps> let's just say for a moment, happy birthday, happy birthday, happy anniversary, happy anniversary, happy birthday. It all fits. Yeah. It's our three year anniversary, my friend. And cheers, cheers. We go. A glass of
1: wine for us.
0: Uh-huh. And for all of
1: you as well, if you feel so inclined.
0: That's right. Celebrating three years on air, creating content for you all. And we couldn't do it without you guys listening. Like, we actually, if we had no listeners, we would just be sitting here talking to each other, which we do all the time. And it is
1: still fun, but (laughs) it is more fun to present content that uh, is helpful to uh, the rest of the human race.
0: Yes, exactly. And so just thank you. Thank you all so much for keeping us on the air. This has been a crazy, crazy journey. And thank you all that have wrote us and just made comments like, you don't understand. I'm going through a really hard time and turning on your podcast gets me through my day or, gets or your me, drive. Yes, exactly. Gets me through my work day. You know, whatever it may be, those, those comments may seem small to you guys, they but not. they're not, they are huge to us. And it's truly what keeps us creating content every week for you. So yeah. thank keep you reviewing
1: all. us, you guys go yeah. on and do reviews and keep sending us suggestions. We have a list a mile long because we, we have such amazing listeners that you guys have like Pages worth of cases that you want us to cover, and Mm -hmm. sometime, someday, we'll get to them all.
0: We will, and that's what's going to keep us creating. It sure does. Truly. You never
1: run out of true crime cases, it would seem.
0: Which is good for you as a judge. Kind Megan, of because then it you, is you have a day job every day too. <laughs>
1: but we've jokingly said multiple times, cause you do in your job as well and in CPS. Our goal was always, and even when I was a prosecutor, wouldn't it be great to work ourselves out of a job mm-hmm. because just nobody committed crime anymore? Right. It would be the same it would with be this. Fantastic. If there are ever no more crimes to cover yes. on, on this podcast, then we'll retire and go into comedy. We will. But I just don't feel like it's gonna happen. No. no. I, I think there's always gonna be something horrific to cover because, well, people.
0: I, exactly. Because <laughs> people. I couldn't have said it better myself, friend. And you know what? Speaking of that, let me bring you a case about people uh, doing perfect. horrible things people to one another. People doing horrible things. Yeah. Actually, what I'm going to tell you is Lifetime created a movie about the case that I'm going to tell you about today.
1: Awesome. Do you think I'll like it? Because you know I have very strong feelings about um, sensationalized documentaries. So where they make it into a movie... For people to enjoy, I often don't enjoy it and want to go back to the facts and only the yeah, facts. Yeah, no, you
0: wouldn't enjoy it because okay, it, cool. it strays from the facts, which okay. is why I'm covering it on the podcast Thank to you. give you the facts. And actually, before it was a Lifetime movie, it was a book called A Murder to Remember um, by Anne Rule. And um, I, I apologize. Sorry, guys, I got that mixed up. A Murder to Remember is the Lifetime movie title. Um, Anne Rule's book is called Empty Promises. Okay. So my apologies. This I sounds very that familiar to me. Both the book and the movies make a statement of just being inspired by, which means that they're not a documentary and not all the details are accurate. It is for entertainment purposes, but it is based on the case of facts that I'm going to give you today. Love it. Um, the names are changed both in the Lifetime movie and in the book, just so you know. And so to give you the actual story, this is the case of Julio and Kendra Torres. Okay. And I'm going to take you to the summer of 1976. I wasn't even born yet. You were not, nor was I. I was a,
1: I was a glimmer, though. I was a thought because I was born roughly one year later.
0: Oh, yes. The next summer. And my husband was a couple of years away from living in Oregon. Very close to this situation, yeah, actually. Yeah, he's so old. He was
1: probably ready to start kindergarten by mm-hmm. then, right? Uh,
0: <laughs> maybe. Uh, when was he born? It's You're not be wrong. Close. He was I'm in not, preschool. I'm not wrong. <laughs> I know. Oh, it'd be funny. if pretty, you Those
1: pretty blue eyes will fool mm-hmm. you, but he is older than he looks That's or seems. right. Or Axe. Or Axe. Exactly. Well, I wasn't going to go there. He's your spouse.
0: <laughs> you have full permission. You've known him longer than I have. <laughs> Just
1: in fairness, he should become fully mature in the next year or so.
0: Fingers crossed. They reach my friend. that.
1: Mine as well.
0: Fingers crossed. Is 52 the magic number?
1: Oh, no. Actually, it's 55. So he's got he's a few got years, some years to go.
0: Yep. I knew I wasn't done raising him yet. But anyway, so Kendra and, and Julio actually um, were an Oregon couple. And Kendra was sixteen at the time that her husband.
1: Okay, all right. Yes,
0: I said husband Julio Torres was twenty one. All right, and I somebody's
1: parents signed paperwork.
0: They sure did. And I mean, I'm not going to judge. My parents got married in '74 at sixteen. Yep. So they it ha- used to do that. They sure did. It happens.
1: 16 is the legal age of consent mm-hmm. in most states for sexual activity. And it used to be in that time frame, maybe a little bit before the 70s, honestly, more like the 50s and stuff. But it went up through there. Parents would often sign off so that their children could get married at the age of 16. That's mm-hmm. the youngest most states would allow. There yep. might be some variables.
0: But one less mouth to feed. Yep. Typically families were larger back then yep. and
1: school wasn't necessarily a priority. Nope. Um Nor farm kids and rural kids would often drop out so that they could go onto the family farm or just go get a job
0: or enlist. Yep. Yep. Exactly. It's a different time. That's for a sure. A little, little bit. Now this beautiful couple, they were actually camping in Mount Hood, Oregon to celebrate their 1-year wedding anniversary. So that means that they were married at the ages of 20 and 15. Oh, they
1: did sign off earlier than 16. Okay. Yeah, they did. Were there children? No. Okay. So this wasn't a you got her in trouble, you're getting married situation. This (laughs) is love. You found yourself pregnant. Uh This is what happened, right? No. You will marry my 15-year-old daughter that you've impregnated. That's how it worked.
0: No, this is love. Mm -mm. This was just, just absolute true love and a couple making it through their first year of marriage and celebrating, going camping. Um, and they also took Kendra's lifelong um, canine companion, Rusty, oh, along. I'm mm-hmm. in love already. She literally had Rusty as long as she could remember in life. And they were having a really great time camping when they randomly met a man named Thomas Brown. Um, they were, why like, do I feel
1: like I'm not going to like Thomas? We
0: don't like Thomas. Okay. No, Tom, Tom Brown. No, not a, not fan. a fan. No, it, it, it's never good when I'm inserting another adult into the story this early on.
1: Especially camping. Like it's the Mm-mm. setup for a horror movie, right? You now.
0: are in, you know, Mount Hood, Oregon. Camping. Which I bet is
1: beautiful. It, yes. Emerald green and mountains and trees everywhere. And these people are enjoying their nature, camping, mm-hmm.
0: hiking. And there are some variations to exactly how Tom Brown came about this couple. In one variation, and I think this is the one that is most accurate, not only because I've seen it multiple times, but also there's a court document that mentions his truck. So I think that this is the most accurate description of how they met. But Tom Brown, by the way, is 29 years old. So he has, is a bit older because Julio is 21, Candra's is 16. Um, but there's a couple of variations that they met while they were fishing. Like Julio was fishing okay. and he stumbled upon them. But the the one that I actually think is, is more believable is that they were, the couple were on their way to finding a fishing hole. They had their fishing equipment. And Thomas Brown was in his mud-covered pickup truck when um, the couple came upon him as they were driving or is, excuse me, as he was driving down to find a good fishing spot, like it, the truck is mentioned. And so that's uh, multiple times. And that is why I think that that's actually how they met is that he stopped and was like, Oh, Hey, you looking for a good um, fishing, fishing hole. hole. Now Thomas is instantly attracted to the young Kandra. Sure. Naturally. Right. So Julio gets, Gives freely gives the information that they are planning on going fishing, Thomas takes that opportunity to say, oh my God, I know a great fishing hole. It's top secret. I can take you right to it. Hop in. And you know it's in a very secluded secret area because it is my secret fishing hole, right? So he is telling them, come along with me. Now, instead of a fishing hole, Thomas lured the couple deep into the wilderness to what was described as a creepy and very isolated location. So they have to camp. They're going to camp there. They have to camp with this Thomas Brown now that probably
1: how they planned on spending their anniversary
0: probably not but also 1976 I don't think that it's unusual that you just like I mean you know this is still in the days of hitchhiking, hitchhiking like hiking and hippies yeah inviting somebody to come camp with you um, with pure intentions isn't out of no the I ordinary agree. and so um, at sundown the three of them set up camp And Thomas is being, of course, charming and super friendly. He's not telling Julio, I'm super attracted to your beautiful young teenage wife.
1: No, they're destined to not come with you Mm -hmm. if you disclose that information uh, originally.
0: Now, the next morning, Thomas and Julio decided that they are going to go hunting while Kandra stayed behind to cook breakfast of the food and supplies that they had. All right. Now, before long, a gunshot rings out pretty close to where the camp was and suddenly thomas brown emerges from the shadows where Kendra and trigger alert you guys because rusty was with Kendra, the dog yeah and so trigger alert to animal cruelty because he he comes out of the brush to the campsite and he just shoots rusty right in front of Kendra. mother her. Yeah, her lifelong dog. I know she's only 16, but she so she's had him probably since she was like two. I yeah. mean, she actually says that she's had him as long as she can remember her whole life. So this is obviously very traumatizing, okay? She's standing there in shock and asking him why. Right. Why, why did he do that? And he's like, well, you, th- you know, you think that's bad. I just shot your husband too. Oh. <gasps> And so he tells her if he if she wants to stay alive, she's got to come with him.
1: She's going to do what he tells mm-hmm. her to. So he has murdered her husband and her dog, mm-hmm. and now she's being kidnapped.
0: Correct. And remember, she is sixteen. These are not adult. This is not a fully developed adult that we are talking about. And I say that because it's going to be important later. Okay. <clears throat> so Thomas takes Kendra deeper into the woods. And um, I'm sure that we all know where this is leading, right? He's going to sexually assault her. Absolutely. He is not taking her into the woods just to show her a secret fishing hole. All right. So he does that. He repeatedly sexually assaults her. Right from the beginning, he starts brainwashing her, telling her that her husband's death was an accident and that he was going to save her life and spare her from all the pain and suffering if she just endures the sexual abuse okay okay and lets everyone know that julio's death was an accident and he's just repeating this over and over again between sexual assaults that remember you do this for me you're gonna stay alive julio's death was an accident when i was i was just trying to hand him the shotgun and it and it went off and rusty was attacking me And I shot Rusty in self-defense. Okay. Okay. So he's making his, creating his own narrative. He is.
1: And- Truly while traumatizing, traumatizing her tra- over and over right, again. Which is where the brainwashing comes mm-hmm. in. So he's repeating this, which is instilling itself in her brain as in, as trauma. And mm-hmm. now she's going to have a trauma response. And right. it's going to be based off PTSD and statements that were made to her.
0: Correct. Okay. Not off of actual memory and facts and truth. Right. right.
1: Based off of what's been screamed at her, told to her, mm-hmm. whispered to her while in the middle of... Threatened
0: to her as of well. Of sexual rem- assault. remember, he has a gun. Yes. Okay. He didn't give that up. He still has a gun. So she endures this abuse and brainwashing for three full days, and her body—her excuse me—her husband Julio's body is found three days later on July twenty seventh, nineteen seventy six, and shortly after, she and Thomas emerge from the woods as well because Thomas knows that the the body has been found, and so the police are obviously looking for her. Right at this, she point is now time. a missing person mm-hmm. and possibly a person of interest exactly exactly so they come out of the woods they act thomas is acting very like disheveled and confused like they were lost in the woods for 3 days and had just been surviving okay and he what a planner he is oh yes he tells the story that he had been telling candra to say over and over again that julio was accidentally shot and killed when they botched a rifle handoff Okay. while well, deer hunting and the gunshot alarmed the dog and started attacking. So he shot Rusty. So he shot Rusty in self-defense. All right. Now the other key part of this is that he tells the police and Kendra told the police that she witnessed the entire thing.
1: But she didn't.
0: Correct. So when he is is telling like yeah she saw the whole thing she can tell you this is what happened
1: but she can actually describe how he was shot accidentally
0: no no not not at all how it was handed to him what yeah none of it no but initially she does tell the police well I saw this it was an accident now this is before they really get into like deep interrogation right they're just doing their initial investigation okay and so initially the case has, hold on a second. Yeah. Have
1: they, did they also indicate them that what they went looking on foot for help and got lost?
0: Yes. They were. Very instead of using his truck. They were deep into the woods. right? But
1: they didn't take his truck. Did they? No,
0: no. He didn't. So have, his truck was left back at the where they had originally met. And then they went deep into the woods, you know, quote, looking for that fishing hole. Okay. And then, even
1: though her husband's dead back at
0: camp, well, right, but not by the truck. I know. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's, the, I'm just that's saying, the bigger problem. We too. know
1: right off the bat that there has to be at least one, if not two, law enforcement officers that, even from the get go, are like, hmm, I don't like it.
0: I don't know. Cause initially they, they didn't rule it. it as an accident. Shit. Okay. It's 1976. I, know. I don't know. I, and you know what I hate about that statement is cause I feel like someday. 50 years into the future somebody's going to be like it was 2024 they didn't know what they I know, were talking about but that's true it is because science and um technology is going to continue to evolve oh and yeah. it's going to enlighten more and more I, truly for better or for worse people it is going to continue to change right by, by so, in, in
1: 50 years they'll run a dead body through some type of a scanner mm-hmm. and it'll pick up all the trace into into the cyber world and they'll be up in front of you like a computer screen and they'll be like oh here, it's pinpointed this person. Correct. That's the
0: killer. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, I think it's right? going to really, really continue to advance in that way. But also just our understanding of human nature and the way we are evolving as humans is going to continuously change as well. Right. And back at the naivety of the day, you know, back when even it was, quote unquote, safe to hitchhike. Well, it really wasn't. People. It never was. No. They were just weren't reported. Exactly we know better now. We know human patterns of behavior better now. Right. So I just think there's that a
1: trail of bodies from New York to California.
0: Sure are. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that in this situation, like initially they're like, okay, she's confirming it. Here's the 16 year old. Why would she lie about how her husband, their newlyweds, you know, they're celebrating their one year anniversary. Why would she lie about the death of her dog? that she's had her whole life, and her husband. Like, this must have been how it went by. But as days go by, Kendra is having really vivid and strange dreams.
1: Like reality?
0: Yes. She would wake up, and she would have these very vivid memories. And she was, of course, very confused. Now, there are not resources at this time, you know, that are readily available for trauma survivors. And so... She goes to her parents and tells them what she thinks really happened based on these vivid memories and these night terrors and things that she is is experiencing. And her mom is just like, honey, I don't think things happened how you are recalling I think that you that there has been a murder and you need to go to the police. It was mom and dad that were like, "This doesn't sound right." And
1: she hasn't acknowledged being sexually assaulted either. No. So it's almost Stockholm
0: syndrome. Well, thank you for bringing that up. We are going there. Okay, let's go there. Go there. Mm-hmm. So um, she goes back and tells the police that she does not think her original recollection of the events were accurate. She tells them that what she believes. The actual truth is that she didn't witness anything, that she was making breakfast with Rusty by her side, and she heard a sh- gunshot. And then to- a couple of minutes later, Thomas came back to the campsite, shot Rusty in front of her, and abducted her and repeatedly sexually assaulted her. Now, the police are skeptical to I say know. the least I knew at you this were point. Say it. Of course. They didn't really know who to believe. So they decide to set the two up for a 1976 polygraph test.
1: Oh, my. Was uh, there an Etch-A-Sketch? Right.
0: <laughs> Tell me there was.
1: Listen, technology has come a long it way. It has.
0: It has. And and as expected, maybe not as expected, but I guess for me it's expected. At this point, things get more complicated. Oh, Yeah. So Thomas
1: Brown- Is there deception? Isn't there deception? She doesn't even barely know what's real, so her responses are going to be off.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Thomas Brown has no problem taking a polygraph. And passing? He just reiterates that the shooting was an accident. Self-defense for the dog and the two spent the next three days lost and trying to get out of the woods. And he passes the polygraph test. Oh, shit. Yeah. Okay. Candor Torres- Really good
1: liars can do this. Absolutely. You can, can they can convince no, themselves. I, you have to be able to control though the involuntary blood pressure, yep. heart rate. Tell yourself the same story enough times that you believe it.
0: Well, and I think that his brainwashing of Candra did exactly that for him. Sure, Megan, this guy fully believed his own story. He made his own truth. That's why it was so easy for him to pass this. It was Terrifying, polygraphs though. record emotion. They record your neurological responses based on emotional reactions. And body response. Yeah. Yep. He has convinced himself so well that this is what happened, that he's cool as a cucumber when the machine is hooked up to him. Now, Kendra tells her version of events that she did not witness the shooting and that she was told by Thomas that he murdered Julio and then raped her for three days. Kendra fails the polygraph. Son of a bitch. So now you see what I mean by of it gets a little complicated because the police are like, holy shit, what are we supposed to We've already believe? ruled this
1: an accident and yep. the perpetrator, alleged perpetrator, has passed his poly. Correct. But the victim is not.
0: Yes, but someone who is coming forward saying she's a victim is not and is coming forward with some real strong information like if she you know and to to us today in 2024 it makes sense why she failed that polygraph right we've already talked about the trauma response so of course you know that doesn't surprise me and especially with the technology at the time now the police have to get at this point I feel like those officers probably felt like they had their genitals in a vice Yes, I know. Because they do, they they have to reopen the case. And at this point in time, they want to believe her. It's not that they didn't. There wasn't any information that, that she was mistreated by police, that she was just completely dismissed. None of that. It's like they empathized with her and wanted to believe her, but they needed to really rely on forensic evidence to disprove the very first story that they both told. Okay. So that then they could shed some plausibility. I'll give you on this. Hers.
1: I'm shocked they reopened the case, period. I agree. Because after being told a version and he passed, some law enforcement agencies would have said no.
0: Many, it can't Megan. be
1: used in trial, but he clearly passed that lens probable cause or lack thereof. We aren't reopening it. It was an accident. Correct. Easily could have happened.
0: I, I think so. You know, and we know because of some of the many tragic cases that we've covered on this podcast in three years, it does happen mm-hmm. and it will happen. And and I think that it even in, is going to continue to happen when you're talking about budgeting of the, the cost of reopening a case and relooking at the forensic evidence and things like that. Yeah, it sometimes those decisions are made based on money even. I agree. So I'm shocked that they went with this.
1: I'm glad they did.
0: I think that part of it is they could feel Kandra's reaction to when she was telling the real story. And her honesty of just, listen... I don't know. Like, this is what I'm remembering. It's not like she came to them and was like, I lied before. Right. You know what I mean? She came to them like, this is what I'm experiencing. And this feels more like the truth. And I was sexually assaulted. And I don't know what to make of it. And then they started kind of putting those pieces together. This is what I really loved about the detectives, though, Megan. They knew that they were out of their scope of practice. So they turned it over
1: to an expert?
0: Well... They wanted an answer to the question of why would Kandra seemingly lie in that first interview? Beautiful. So they call on a psychiatrist to collaborate with. And that is when the police learn about a fairly recent syndrome called Stockholm Syndrome, which I want to educate our listeners a little bit more about it because yes we have thrown that terminology around in several cases before but I want to tell you a little bit more background Stockholm syndrome is a psychological response where a captive begins to identify closely with his or her captor as well as their agenda and demands yes the name of the syndrome is actually derived from a ba- a botched bank robbery in Sweden in Stockholm I know. Sweden in August of 1973, four employees. Now remember, this was 1976. So it's when our so case new. Is happening. It is yes. so new. Three years. Three years. In August 1973, four employees at a credit bank were held hostage in the bank's vault for six days. During the standoff, a seemingly, like, Intense bond developed between the captive and the captor, um, the captives and the captor. One hostage during a telephone call with the Swedish prime minister stated that she fully trusted her captors, but feared that she would die in a police assault on the building. Yeah. She was scared of the police she was. more than she was the captors. The captor
1: had very successfully convinced them that they were not here to do them any harm. Mm-hmm. They just wanted to be let go, and the police were going to kill all of them mm-hmm. instead of let them go.
0: Yes. Yep. Psychologists who have studied the syndrome believe that the bond is initially created when a captor threatens a captive's life. Deliberates and then chooses not to kill. The Trauma captive. number one, exactly. Decision number one. Mm-hmm. The captive relief at the removal of the death threat is transposed into feelings of gratitude toward the captor for giving him or her their life, like a second chance. Yes, okay? and here we
1: have the manipulation piece. Yes, yep. that redeems them. It's the it's the redemption piece.
0: Exactly, and it really is just about being when when you are. A typical human, you are usually grateful when somebody gives you something that you value. Your life. And when someone is giving you your life and manipulating you into thinking that they're giving you their life, you instinctively express gratitude for that.
1: Specifically kidnapping victims. So, And that's what the bank robbery Mm -hmm. victims were as well. They were were held hostage for six days. False imprisonment, kidnapping, Mm -hmm. and they form a bond and become a little family.
0: Absolutely. Now, the bank robbery incident proves that it takes only a few days for this bond to cement, proving that early on, the victim's desire to survive trumps the urge to hate the person who created the situation. So hear that again. Our will to survive and being grateful for survival trumps the hate that you really instinctively should want to extend to the person who is creating that situation or holding you captive.
1: It also won't work on everyone. No. So her situation is not unique. She is a 16 year old whose brain hasn't fully developed. Stockholm Syndrome in the bank robbie is actually more interesting because you have adults and like six of them. A lot
0: of them. You would
1: have thought that there would have at least been one person who's like, fuck you. You're holding me hostage. We ain't friends.
0: Yeah. Yep. But But no, they all did. Master
1: manipulation.
0: Mm -hmm. The survival instinct is at the heart of Stockholm Syndrome. Victims live in enforced dependence and interpret rare or small acts of kindness in the midst of the horrible conditions as good treatment. They often be, often become hypervigilant to the needs and demands of their captors, making psychological links between the captor's happiness and their own. So indeed, the syndrome is marked not only as a positive bond between captor and captive, but also by a negative attitude on um, behalf of the captive towards authorities or anyone who would threaten the captor-captive relationship, the negative attitude is especially powerful when the hostage um, is of no use to the captors except as leverage against a third party, which has happened a lot with like political hostages, um, war hostages, things like
1: that. Well, Charnell, in those cases, the captor never actually forms a bond; they are they're expressing one, and they get the buy-in but they don't actually have any feelings toward the person. Mm-hmm. We also deal with situations where the captive literally buys into their own fantasy and they develop feelings. Yes. We've seen it before where they're they actually in love with the victim that they're harming and don't think that they're hurting them. I treated her
0: well. The girl in the box episode yes. is a
1: great example of that. Mm-hmm. You just have no insight then. Yep. Like, oh, I guess
0: I kidnapped her, but she loved me. We were in love. Right, right. Truly. By the 21st century, psychologists have expanded their understanding of the Stockholm Syndrome from hostages to other groups, including victims of domestic violence, cult members, prisoners of war, um, procured sex workers, and abused children. The American Psychiatric Association does not include Stockholm Syndrome in its Diagnostic and Statistic Manual of Mental Disorders, also known as the DSM mainly due to the lack of consistent body of academic research because it's rare because there's only about 8% of, of hostage victims that happen that show evidence of Stockholm Syndrome. So it's not in the DSM-5, but it is a recognized psychological condition that can happen. Okay, But I do want to tell you about four aspects that need to happen to fit Stockholm Syndrome and why I feel Kendra's case does. So you have to have trauma. We have that obviously there, right? Yes. You have to have isolation. They were alone in the mountains for three days. It's more isolated than being with other prisoners in a bank vault. Mm -hmm. You have to have that manipulation, that indoctrination so him telling her over and over again, it was an accident. It was an accident. And remember, she didn't witness it. You all, you all, right. y'all, you all, you all, you all, the Yankee way to say y'all. It's very okay. appropriately. I don't stated. know what just happened. I like you
1: all. Yeah. I, however, say y'all all the time, even though I'm an English major, I but I do like to inappropriately butcher the English language on intentionally,
0: intentionally, intentionally. So we do have that indoctrination. All right. And then you also have to have a promise of a reward. And for her, it's survival. Remember, he promised, I will let you live. If you just go along with this and you tell everybody that you witnessed it and that it was an accident. If this
1: is your truth, if this is what you believe, if this is what you say, Mm -hmm. then you will live. That's right. We're going to be just fine, sweetie. You just have to remember this way.
0: Yep. So initially, she did, right? I absolutely her case fits
1: till she got away from him.
0: Exactly. And interestingly enough, Megan, it started within 3 days of being away from him. Okay. So it's not like this was something that took, you know, months or years or anything like that, but it started um within 3 days. She started with those vivid memories and being confused. The dreams. Mhm.
1: Yep. Your, your your dreams, you should trust those, you guys. it oh, absolutely. Real things manifest in those mm-hmm. memories, daydreams, and actual dreams. And if she's waking up in the middle of the night going, God, this doesn't feel right. I think I was assaulted. I think he was murdered. Mm-hmm. Then she started trusting that too.
0: Correct. Well, her, her egoic brain that is very easily manipulated yes. was at rest when we're asleep. And so she other was, parts of your brain can work.
1: She was traumatized, but she was actively living the trauma. Uh-huh. She was yep. her brain started to heal itself, is yep. what was happening because she was back in a safe place.
0: Correct, where she knew she was really is going to survive now, right? Because right? he's nowhere around. After learning all of this about Stockholm syndrome, they know detectives know that they really need answers from Julio's autopsy and ballistic science to corroborate not only Can- um, Kendra's story, but also Stockholm Syndrome, because it hadn't been used in front of a judge yet. Okay. Yeah. So they've, they know they have an uphill battle. Is
1: this the first judicial test of Stockholm Syndrome in the U.S.?
0: I don't know if it is in the U.S. I'm going to say it's probably damn close because it, it certainly one of the is for ones. this state.
1: The science is so new. It is. I can only imagine as an attorney, just using my legal mind, how new this was to have to present to a court because you have to show that there is reliance in the technique that you're using in the science behind it right. to even get it admitted,
0: to even have an expert testify. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And so, Megan, like as I'm sure you would have done if you were in that time as well, they wanted the forensic evidence to speak for itself as well. So then it could also just go ahead and further drive home the truth to what they're presenting about Stockholm Syndrome. Because that's not
1: circumstantial evidence. That's real. It is, yes.
0: Ballistics is real. Mm -hmm. So let me tell you about his autopsy a little bit. So the autopsy showed that the weapon was a hunting rifle. All right. It was long barreled and the bullet entered Julio's face on the left side with a slight trajectory down through his cervical spine and exited through the right side of his neck.
1: This is not this is not how we accidentally hand guns to people pointed at their heads from a downward trajectory. Sure is. If right? he would have handled handed it to him barrel up and it would have shot like in the lower jaw or the lower part of the cheek and went up. And exited it up. Absolutely. Mm -hmm.
0: Right. No, no, no. Not saying
1: it can't happen, but just in other cases we've seen, and I don't know my experience in this, that's not typical of an accident.
0: Accidental handoff. No, it is not. And remember I said long barreled. You did because it's a long
1: barrel rifle Mm -hmm. or shotgun. So
0: I want you to start thinking about how close you and I would have to stand to one another to try to hand off a, a gun, a long barreled gun. Okay,
1: well, if that's true, because I would be close to you to hand this off unless I was very inappropriately standing three feet away from you, handing it to you with the barrel pointed at your head.
0: Exactly. Extremely inappropriately. It's not. It's not proper gun safety. It's not. But let me tell you a little bit more about the autopsy here. There is not any gunshot residue noted on Julio's skin or clothing. There's no gunshot residue now now so if, he couldn't
1: have been that close
0: right if they're simply handing off this gun there should be gunshot residue all over the place because they would be close so what ballistics did okay is they tested and they recreated the situation they did some testing inch by inch okay can of, I just throw something yeah, out there yeah.
1: And you can tell me if I'm wrong, but it wouldn't shock me that they might find that the victim was lying in a supine position, maybe laying down, and that the gunshot was far enough away that it would appear that somebody came in standing in the entry to the tent, and the and the ballistics went down. He wasn't in the tent.
0: No, they were out hunting. Together. I thought he shot him in the tent. No. My bad. Where'd we get a tent? Did I, I say
1: tent? You said camping, and my mind went right that to tent. That is
0: hilarious. No. My
1: mind did it. Yeah. My apologies to your Ooh, listeners. Oh, my. Look Dear at- gentle readers. <laughs> This is why Megan needs all of the evidence presented very clearly. Like, Chanel, <laughs> yes. you should have said they went camping with no tents. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs>
0: no tents. There's no requirement no, that remember, you let me know that. She was I cooking assumed. breakfast my and brain. they went deer hunting. Okay. yeah my brain They assumed. weren't near a tent. Oh, interesting. I like knowing Sorry. how. You know I like knowing how human brains work. But this whole time you've been picturing a tent. So, so no, your answer tent. to me is no,
1: that's not how it this happened. Thank you. Happened. We can move on now. <laughs> I'm going to have a drink of wine. <laughs>
0: Let me tell you about the ballistics testing, though. Oh, please. Clearly, they, I'll just listen to the story. They decided that they were going to take pick a target an inch by inch back away from it and decide how far away, at what point, Megan, they had to determine how far away from the target they are before it stopped leaving gunpowder sh- uh, Yep, exactly. Uh, the gunpowder residue, okay? Because there was none found on Julio at all. Remember, on his skin, on his clothes, nothing. And so it was determined that in order to not leave any gunpowder re- gun residue on Julio, the barrel of the gun would have had to have been the barrel of the gun, not the person holding it. It's a long barrel gun. So remember, the person holding it has to be farther away than this as well. The barrel of the gun would have had to have been at least 36 inches away, which is three feet away. So I'm the barrel of this gun is three feet away from you. So I'm a good another
1: three foot, at least. Uh, Yes. A long barrel shotgun.
0: Exactly. That's how I'm going to hand you my gun when we're six feet away from each other. Approximately barrel first barrel. Right. That this is how we safely hand off a gun. Mm -mm. No. So they, they determine, um, that the other thing is keep in mind. He did do a demonstration for the police of and how that's he handed not it. how he demonstrated. Not it. at all. He demonstrated that he was standing within arm's distance of Julio to transfer the gun to him.
1: Now, Very smart of them to document
0: his initial
1: story of how he handed the gun to
0: him. Yep. The thing about Mr. Brown, Mr. Tom Tom Brown, is that he is very confident that the state has nothing on him and no way to prove his case, especially since Kandra had originally confirmed the same story. But of course, he knows nothing of Stockholm Syndrome, he knows nothing of ballistics testing, and so he starts bragging to his cellmate about how much the state can't prove, all while admitting... Simultaneously, that he did kill Julio. Oh, you dumb dumb! Because he wanted his his young bride for himself. He was con- gonna continue the relationship. Ab- yes, absolutely. His intention always. Was to brainwash her into how did this he was become, an accident? How did
1: he come to be in a cell? Did they find probable cause to arrest him at some point after the ballistics?
0: After the ballistics and the um, convening with the psychologist, they went ahead and I apologize because um, my brain did not put that in the, um, thank you for asking that. That's I okay. Did not I put screwed that up
1: royally my, before with the tent, but I at least knew we had not talked about being not talked put about in jail. Being
0: <laughs> arrested. No, they went ahead and did uh, did arrest him. Um, on first-degree murder charges, okay? Okay. And um, that's when he, uh, my apologies about that, but it wasn't until after the ballistics testing didn't line up with his story and with um, talking to the psychologist about Stockholm Syndrome. I agree. Mm -hmm. And they know
1: at this point, you guys, that there's probable cause to arrest him. That's why he's sitting in jail. But you have to know from a prosecutorial standpoint and a law enforcement standpoint, they're still shitting bricks. They know that they have PCC i'm sorry pc to get him arrested but probable cause only gets you so far yeah absolutely and this is gonna have to go in front of a jury where they're gonna have to prove this beyond a reasonable doubt with brand brand new information brand new science
0: brand new science exactly i'm glad that you said that though about being in front of a jury because we're gonna get to that as well okay but um i three years into this and i can't believe i skipped the part about where he was arrested we learned, you know, we're always this growing and evolving. This just goes to
1: show you that in three more <laughs> years, we will just be experts.
0: Maybe I'll get it right in another three years. Right,
1: and I won't jump to conclusions, which is really a terrible aspect of somebody (laughs) that holds my employment. (laughs) But I'm I'm sorry. I assure you I listen better when they present a case to me. For sure. When you're
0: actually getting paid to listen, I I understand. (laughs) Judges
1: are allowed to ask questions and more than once when the attorneys don't make it clear, and I know you'll find this shocking, but sometimes they don't. (laughs) I asked the witness, so was he in a tent? Right.
0: (laughs) Right, exactly. Yeah. Right.
1: No, he wasn't in a tent. They were in the woods oh, well, that makes a big difference as I scratch out my notes.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, good. Uh, Anyway, so here he's got this cellmate and he is telling them just all the things the state doesn't have on on him. So then the cellmate's like, so you did do it. So these are all the things they haven't found out. So why don't I just go ahead and like tell them? Right, because I really don't like it here.
1: Right, and I don't want to sit with your think dirty. Ass. That a really good way for me to get out of jail is to tell on you. Correct, because <laughs> you committed a murder, and they're probably going to let me out on this robbery that sure. I committed. So
0: for sure, yeah, exactly. And we don't always There's love, no honor confessions. I don't.
1: I hate them. I know. I know I I will I've been very vocal about that but I'm not saying they're not accurate you have to have an indicia of trustworthiness
0: yeah and in this case like talking
1: through the pipe
0: (laughs) (laughs) I loved that one me too but in this case it wasn't so much that that the witness the cellmate confession came forward with oh he told me that he did it he literally was like Hey, he told me all the things he you guys don't have on him, so here it is. It was almost like a reversal, right? Like, and, and of course, I'm sure that this person used this to their advantage. Why wouldn't they? Of course, they. Had I would to do it. too. Don't judge. My God, I want <clears throat> out of there as well.
1: Jailhouse attorneys are uh, in abundance. Yep. You can always find another inmate to give you mm-hmm. legal advice, but let me assure you that should any of you find yourself in that situation, you should not ask them for advice, and certainly don't
0: fucking tell them what you did. No, definitely. Your attorney
1: won't like that. Nope. Your defense attorney will be like, "Oh, that was a head smack," and go, "Why, man? Why? Why?"
0: And for this guy, what what the um, the witness who turned states evidence states evidence. witness? Yes, the, the human witness. that turned states witness the pushing point for him was that thomas brown was extremely vocal that uh, uh, not only about the things that the state didn't have on him but also that his intention was to kill candra and both of the prosecutors that were going after him afterwards and and he could do it because he's already killed men oh yeah so that and then he's like okay I better tell someone. Let's see what I can do. And I don't have information, you know, on if he got out, if this dude released early, I, I'm no, sure he bargained. But something he for himself, also, but if he
1: was a, a good criminal, knew that if he had knowledge that a um, governmental employee, employee, that being a prosecutor, was being threatened and he didn't report it, someone might drag his ass into it and call it a plan.
0: Oh, God. Yeah. So you got to,
1: if you uh, now see, here's your advice. If you ever find yourself in a position where you're in jail and someone says this stuff to you, please cover your ass and report it so you don't go down.
0: Yeah, exactly. If anybody is plotting to kill Megan or Charnel, we're actually you know, you can't do that. You can't hear about that and oh. then and then do that. First of
1: all, please don't. But also will yeah, be a real I feel like that it will end badly for you. I'm just sure trying that out. It might end badly sure. for us too, but it's really okay. gonna end badly for you.
0: Yeah. That's fine. I'll go haunt your ass.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> as we say as we're rubbing the crystals and bones. <laughs>
0: yes. If yes. you don't think
1: I can't voodoo you from heaven <laughs> or hell, I can.
0: <laughs> yes. Well, and it was for him, for for the state's witness. He's like, okay, people's lives have been threatened. I'm going to come forward, but not before Thomas Brown being is cocky and and cocksure, if you will. I love that word,
1: cocksure,
0: cocksure. I love it. Mm-hmm. My mom says it sometimes, and she has such a. She's so sweet and innocent. I love it when she says that. Uh,
1: but, yeah, do you put if you put the emphasis on the first syllable, it makes it even do. more entertaining. Right,
0: right, right. And so he waived his right to a jury trial. Megan,
1: he wanted a bench trial.
0: He wanted a bench trial. He wanted a judge to hear and make Holy all of shit. the
1: decisions on his future that never happens in murder cases I know never I mean actually I lied you did present one once well I presented one remember um uh
0: I think I've presented one Well too. we
1: presented the one um where Uh, The man was convicted of murdering his wife, but then we found out later that it was Pam Hupp that did it. Yes. And um, he requested a second trial because it was a mistrial and setback, requested a bench trial, and that went Mm -hmm. very well for him Mm -hmm. because the prosecutor should have backed down on that case anyway and realized they didn't have enough to convict him And they had the wrong man. Right, <laughs> right. Right. But that's not this situation. No. This guy is He's... literally waving his right to a jury trial and being like, hey, judge, you decide my life and death sentence.
0: Correct. Because. Wow. Because I don't think that you've got anything on me because she already told the police the same story that I told her to tell. He's got no idea what's really going on Again,
1: you guys, his defense attorney has got to be shitting an actual brick.
0: Because he's like, I would think. No,
1: don't waive your right to a jury. Mm -hmm. No, sir, don't do that.
0: Are you sure you want to do that? Are you competent to do that? Megan, what's the other thing you're going to tell him not to do? Talk. Testify. There you go. Please,
1: please, please exercise your rights and don't testify.
0: He testified for himself. So here we have, we have a judge.
1: Limited situations where that should occur, guys. Yeah.
0: We have a judge that is hearing all about the workings and mechanisms of Stockholm Syndrome, which is unprecedented at the time. And it was very intriguing. Okay. A 70s judge
1: wants ballistics here.
0: And it was, um, it was convincing. Okay. It was informative and convincing. Um, they, of course, have the ballistics expert testify. They have the coroner testify about the autopsy. All the right things happen in that, in that situation. But then Mr. Brown testifies himself, and he tries to demonstrate how he tried Handed to the hand gun. off the gun. Which, on cross examination, oh, I'm sure I would you understand eat him alive. Did not go well. I want
1: to be the prosecutor on that case for
0: sure. You've seen
1: me attack somebody before I, when I was prosecutor. Verbally, I made them yes. cry. So did the attorney. She cried too. Yes. After I was done yeah. with them, and that's exactly what would happen here.
0: Well, especially after the judge. Happy has birthday heard... to
1: me! I would say,
0: as a prosecutor, <laughs> the end. Happy birthday. Couldn't get better. Better Please than an orgasm. Take the stand. Thank you. Yeah, truly,
1: it is depending on the case.
0: Yeah. Well. And the judge had already heard the ballistics evidence and the Stockholm Syndrome evidence. And then this Dillweed gets up and tries to poorly demonstrate how he handed off this long-barreled shotgun and didn't leave gunpowder residue on him that close to him. Can we just
1: hope that it was Julio from heaven whispering in this guy's ear, just that karmic whisper going, you know what, you should testify.
0: You should. Right? You are You're sending all the energy. They've got
1: nothing on you.
0: That is how the caramac energy works. I hope it was you,
1: Julio. Mm -hmm. Legit Mm -hmm. man. You deserve the justice.
0: So the judge goes ahead and gives his verdict of guilty. guilty. Shocking. Mm -hmm. I'm shocked. Mm -hmm. And Thomas Brown is officially sentenced to life in prison in 1977 without the possibility of parole. To this date, as far as I can tell, y'all, he remains behind bars, incarcerated at the Oregon State Penitentiary. He was 20, or he was 30 at the time. Twenty nine. Yeah, but by the time he's sentenced to He in was 30 or 31, yep, So yeah. he was 30, and, you know, it's 2024, so yeah, he is probably still alive. he's Just living out as, I couldn't Did he find where he had, had died. Um, I. That information wasn't in there? I don't know. I don't know. Um. <laughs> There's not a crap ton of information about this. I found a couple of like segments, you know, YouTube segments and whatnot, but it wasn't wasn't robust with information like how I like uh, information to be. But so it's possible that by now he has passed away. But the last article that I read was written in 2019. Okay. So... I said that. I love this case. Um want me to I, I have a little update on how Kendra's doing. Oh please. Um she remarried and she has a big family. She has kids and grandkids who she adores of course. She lives in Nashville, Tennessee, one of our favorite yes, places. Yes, ma'am. Um and she actually used to reside in Florida for many years but um where she ran a childcare business okay. for 19 Speaks years. right to your heart. Sure does. And, but she actually moved to uh, Nashville, Tennessee to be closer to her family and her grandkids. And now she works as a nanny in the city. Love it. And in 2014, around the time that she um, made that move to Nashville, she got herself a new little pet named Lucy. I'm sure she had other pets, but that's just her most recent that I could find. And she actually credits her faith and spirituality to be the guiding hand that led her to find love within herself and with others, even after the tragedy. God bless you, Candace. Isn't that just a very interesting, and it is um, Candra.
1: Candra? Why do I do that?
0: Names, listen.
1: Kendra though is a pretty inventive name for it, the nineteen seventies. It is.
0: It is different um, name. I'm terrible with names. Yeah, I know. Even when I, in my professional job, people that I have worked with for decades, I will accidentally call a different name. It does not mean anything other than that my neurons aren't firing accurately. Yeah, I do That's that. All.
1: and sometimes I do it on purpose. Oh,
0: uh, can I tell you a, about a New York Post? Um, I'm going to bathe you. I'm this is my bath? Now. I'm going to bathe you now. Yep.
1: The third anniversary slash birthday brain bath?
0: It is. I can't wait. It is. Um, and it's it's not long, but I think that... I've been there. <laughs> uh, drinking my wine. It's only fair. I've had my
1: glass and you've been talking the entire
0: time. I have. I know. I've had exactly three sips yes. this whole time wanted florida man of course i'm gonna bring you a florida man for our third anniversary god bless you a wanted florida man tried to throw cops off with i don't live here sign this happened just in 2023 my friend he put up a
1: sign that said i don't live here
0: let me read it to you but essentially (laughs) yes A Florida man wanted by the cops tried to throw them off his trail by placing a big sign outside his house reading, Johnny Yates does not live here. (laughs) It did not work. No. Johnny Yates, 41, who was wanted by the Polk County Sheriff's Office on aggravated robbery, false imprisonment, and tampering charges, was eventually locked up deputies showed up at his um lakeland home at around 2 45 p.m after getting a tip that he was inside his house <laughs> despite the sign that he doesn't live there i'm not home when the deputies arrived they noticed a note written on a dry erase board in front of a window that said johnny yates does not live here <sighs> that's precious you know but who who's Who's going to lie on a dry erase board? Those, those boards aren't used for lies, <laughs> right? <laughs> I think that it's illegal to lie on a dry erase board. I think board. so too. I, those are very official. No,
1: it's your First Amendment right to lie on a dry erase board. You can put anything you want on it. You might be responsible for you, the consequences of the lie that you write on a dry erase board, but still, write what you will. Oh. Like, if you write, Megan and Charnell are sluts, on your dry erase board, you better be able to prove it. Because <laughs> right. otherwise, we're going to sue you. And
0: I and I dare you to try to prove it. Because <laughs> I, I am a very, very monogamous person. Were. What did I say were? <laughs> in high school or in college this one time. <laughs> I don't even have fun stories like that. You keep your I've dry erase
1: a, boards to yourself.
0: But no, I've led a very vanilla life in that way. Well, I was born in
1: the <laughs> 70s, and
0: we didn't have
1: camera phones so
0: there we are so the article goes on to say enough was enough and the surrender smoke was dispensed inside the house and four people exited the home but not johnny deputies called out some more but still no response from johnny so the second helping of surrender smoke was put inside the home to kind of wafe around a bit it's a
1: smoke bomb y'all
0: and finally when they brought in the K nine dexter entered the house. Dexter, going to bite you right in the ass. Well, that. they located Johnny who was hiding in a modified chest of drawers. He was promptly arrested and taken to jail. I do want to tell you, we With though, the dry
1: erase board because I take that in evidence.
0: I'm guessing that one of the four people who exited the home that were not Johnny Yates was definitely a female because if you could see, I want to show you how beautifully written this Johnny Yates does not live here. It Look, is gorgeous I writing. I have seen men with
1: fantastic penmanship to the point I would have thought a female wrote it. I never have.
0: I've never met anyone that organized in, in, as a male in I their have. life. None of them are doctors. It is. all Of course Or so lawyers. I'm pretty certain that all of my children will end up in a profession such as that because yeah. they're... I question their education sometimes when I see their handwriting.
1: All of my adult children have terrible penmanship.
0: But this one's gorgeous. Do you?
1: We got graded in penmanship. My penmanship yeah, yeah. is ridiculously yeah. pretty. Mine, m- so gorgeous. Too. I don't think
0: they get graded in it anymore. They no. get graded in typing now.
1: Yes. Probably. Which is also gorgeous on my part.
0: <laughs> yes, know. I can I'm type fa- really well. I'm a
1: fast typer. Yeah,
0: yeah. I was
1: too. just at that cusp where we had um, it wasn't computers, it was typewriting, and but it wasn't. But <laughs> I'm it wasn't. Sorry, I didn't
0: mean to laugh at fuck that. You, that Chanel. was
1: rude. <laughs> but it wasn't like that <laughs> typewriter. It was an actual keyboard for typing,
0: right? Oh, that makes me feel better right. For so it was you. nice and
1: smooth when I it was, went into my I, DOS system on the computer. You bitch.
0: I was picturing an actual typewriter going ding, and you'd have to yeah. Like,
1: Exactly, and you know what's funny about that? While you're yucking it up over here, it was more advanced in high school than what I got when I went to the prosecutor's office in the oh. in the late '90s, early 2000s. Because we still legit had a typewriter.
0: That's because we're we poor. had
1: computers too, but certain things went on the actual typewriter. Oh my god! Oh yeah, yeah.
0: yeah that's we're we're a poor community, but we are proud. We're that's poor okay. but proud. Yes, poor but proud. <laughs> Actually, that's kind of my motto for life as well. I like it. Same. Same. Same (laughs) Same life, same. Oh, Lord. Okay. Happy
1: anniversary and birthday to all of you especially yes. those of you that have legit stuck in the three times you've been through a lot. You've been through, um,
0: uh, div- I'm your second
1: co-host. Yes,
0: exactly. I was going to call it a divorce. I, that I know was, you were that that's was just funny. to be funny, but it, you know, it wasn't really. There, there was a divorce or at least
1: a separation. Yeah. And, uh, then I came here. Hi guys. Um, inserted myself right yeah. in it and it didn't take her long to fall in love you guys. Cause come on. <laughs> I know. Seriously. My mom
0: always said I fall in love too easy. Yeah, But this time it's going to stick. It is. It's going <laughs> to stick. We'll be, we'll be together forever. We are. I we are. don't know if that's true or not, but it feels right it, to say. It does. It does. And it is true because you're not going to shake me. Oh, I'm very
1: hard to shake. I'll never quit you, Charnel. <laughs> I'll never quit you.
0: I'm just a girl sitting in front of another, another girl, girl. <laughs> asking, asking you to love me. We nodding her this shit we and did. we're legit holding hands. We so... <laughs> Oh, Lord. Well, thank you all so much for hanging in with us all these years. Or if you're brand new to us, hey, don't leave us. It, it gets better. <laughs> yeah.
1: Go back a few episodes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It
1: doesn't get better. We're still like this.
0: For sure. This is just who we are as humans. And we thank you for accepting us as we are. Thank and you. we accept you as you are as well, as long as you're not a murderer. That's, no. That's really. Because murderers are dicks. They sure are. And we hope that you keep listening. And keep it curious. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you.